Um, one of one of the things I want to talk about today, and, and main thing is, uh, can we uh, get it up there, John? Uh, community of faith, all right, versus the gates of hell. Community of faith by the Holy Spirit versus the gates of hell, all right. Uh, if you don't know, we are living in a time where fellowship as a body is put on the back burner. Okay? Only if I got the time, you know, I'll get there. Only if, uh, you know, if, if everything aligns, if the moon's aligned just right, if the planets and stars align just right, I'll make an effort to get there. Oh, it might be too late. It's too early. You know, I don't know. I got other stuff to do. So fellowship within the body has dwindled. Do y'all believe that? Yeah, true. Amen. Yeah. I, fellowship within the body has dwindled down to kneel, and the enemy, he enjoys it. He enjoys when we don't come together in fellowship. Uh, we had, uh, we're beginning, uh, remember to check and to see what group you are in, in the red, green, or blue group, all right? Um, and, uh, because what we're going to start doing, what we started, is that the blue group had their first prayer meeting uh, Friday. And we came together in prayer um, in the sanctuary. We had music, light music playing, and we just focused on Jesus. And we prayed out and we cried out to God. And uh, we were five strong on our prayer night on the blue group, all right? But that's okay, because I believe in Jesus that we are going to have a heart and a desire to come to prayer night when it is called. This is the purpose, this is the goal. As we keep calling it out, as we keep calling, come to Bible study. I, I, don't, want it to, I don't want it to be a force though. Y'all hear me? I don't want you to be feeling like you're forced to. I want you to want to do it because you feel like I need to be there. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be one like, y'all got to be there. And I, I'm not going to try to make you feel guilty for not being there. Listen, you need to come there because it's in your heart, because you just want to be there. And I pray that after this message, you will understand why it's so important for us to fellowship together continually. Amen? Amen. Um, and so the blue group started it off. Uh, uh, next week will be the red group um, next Friday uh, for prayer at 6 o'clock. All right? And, uh, and I'm encouraging you all to come. If you miss, it doesn't matter what day if you missed, okay? If you miss, you can come on that Friday, all right? It doesn't matter if your group is there or not. Um, just come on that Friday to prayer if you miss prayer. And so the goal is to be consistent in it, and all we're asking is one hour in a month. Man, when you, when you kind of look at it like that, you're like, man, that's, that's it. We have one hour out of the whole month, we're asking that you will come and pray at 6 o'clock on a Friday. One hour. One hour. And so, and so I, I, mean, I want to encourage you all because there is power in fellowship. And, uh, and we're going to be fellowshipping with these groups outside of the walls as well in different locations. Um, and, but it's to encourage fellowship, but it's encourage others as they see the power in fellowship. All right? And so, it's, we're living in that time frame 
Where it's put on the back burner. Only, only if I have time, only if the circumstances line up just right. The enemy is trying to destroy the church through the absence of faith in God. And it sounds, uh, uh, sometimes faith in God, uh, I mean, we come to church and it sounds like a good idea. It's a, God is a good idea. It is a good idea. Everything in the word looks good. It sounds good. It sounds like a perfect world. It sounds good. And it's a good idea. But sometimes it just comes that way where people receive it as just a good idea. All right? That is a good idea. God is a good idea. But I'm telling you today that God is more than just a good idea. And some of us take it in faith and the enemy is working on the faith of saying that, well, this is what my family is doing. I'm in it because of my family. But it's time for you to ask the question, why are you in it? Well, I grew up in it. My mama and daddy was saved. My grandma was saved. I came to church and I'm a church goer and I'm just in it. No, we need to get down to the nitty gritty. Why am I in it? And sometimes our children slip away and they fall away because they have the sense and the idea I'm just in this thing because my parents are in it. My mom and daddy is in it. And so I'm just going to follow along with it. But it needs to get serious. Needs to get more serious than that. It needs to be more serious than just to say you're an average church goer. All right? It needs to be more serious than just saying this is what I do. This is what I'm just going to do because of whatever or whatever. It needs to be more so there is a purpose and a reason that God has placed us here. And I am on a pursuit to do his will. All right? And and some some people come because they say, I like the choir, or I like the organist, or I I like how Ryan play. Oh, my gosh, Ryan, you play them keys? Woo! Huh? So some people come because of different reasons all the time. They come, oh, uh, I like the pastor. Oh, I like this. Or I, I like that. And, uh, and, and, and the, but, the, but, but they begin to miss. I don't want anybody to miss the real reason why we truly need to come in fellowship. Ah, oh, man. I, I just, I, I don't want you to miss it. And the absence of fellowship, uh, fellowshipping with one another, we cannot miss the absence and the true reason why. is it, you, We must understand and know the purpose why. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want everyone to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And it starts like this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Huh? Motivate. Motivate. Power eight. Get ready. Right? I don't know power eight is not a word. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of what? Love and good works. All right? Love and good works. Motivate. Have you ever, uh, uh, have you ever, uh, anybody ever worked out before? Right? Y'all worked out before? No, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Y'all be like, yeah, I do uh, once in a while. Very well. Uh, but if you worked out before, you ever, uh, uh, back in our high school time, um, when we pushed weights, you know, sometimes you get on that last one and it's getting kind of weary, kind of weak, right? And what do your teammates do? Come on, man, push it. Come on, you got this, you got this, you got this. Come on, pull up. And then guess what? They might even spot you, right, to even help you. Yes, sir. Make sure you get that last push on, right? 
they motivate you. They push you to push harder. They push you to do better. And what, what the Bible is telling us today is that we need to fellowship with one another and motivate, motivate one another in love, in love and in good works. So what does this look like? It goes further to say um, is that my motivation is that people see who Jesus is. And it says in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. So what happens is when, when no one is around, you're not encouraged to stay motivated in love and doing good things to continue to do good. So what this looks like, what I'm saying is, is that when you're dealing with your boss on your job, or you're dealing with your wife, or you're dealing with a, your husband, or you're dealing with your children, and you're trying to do this thing on your own, but when you come into a fellowship, when you come into a, a, a people that want to lift each other up and motivate each other and encourage one another, instead of you slapping your boss, listen, I felt like slapping my boss yesterday. Thank God I was in the fellowship of people saying that, listen, bro, Brother, don't do that. There's a better way. Huh? You can be saved and still feel like Sister Paul said this last way. Huh? You can be saved and still feel like slapping somebody. But it's important to be motivated by somebody who loves you and cares for you and say, brother, God can't, God is gonna give you the strength to show who Jesus is in this situation. Matter of fact, not only the people that you're working against, but the people that are around you are gonna be able to see when I motivate you to do love and do good works, they are gonna see Christ working in your life. Huh? My motivation is that people see Jesus. So that's why we can't neglect in our meeting together, as some people do. People are just trying to go. You're going home, and you're dwelling on this thing, and you're dwelling on this thing, and you're, and you're not fellowshipping, you're not being in the amongst of the, of the people that love you, the people that care for you, the people with the mindset of, of serving Jesus, of, of seeking who he is, of, of, of doing what, what he asks us to do. When you're not in a fellowship of people with the same mindset, the enemy has the opportunity to come in and whisper his little sweet nothings in your ear. And we wonder why the church is weak. We wonder why the church is suffering. Because the world has pushed the idea that it's better to be alone. It's just about me. Look what I can do. Be my best me. Huh? <laughs> and he says, that's why it's important to good to talk about what you're facing. He says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's good to talk about what you're facing so you don't fall and keep falling and falling and falling away. Huh? Then all of a sudden you just gone. And then you start, I remember when I first got saved. Jesus. Because we have lost the connection and we neglect to fellowship with one another. People are dying stuck within the gates of hell because we have faltered in our fellowship together. 
Y'all going to see this in a few moments. After Jesus sent his Holy Spirit in Acts, Simon Peter began to preach about Jesus Christ. When Jesus left and he, and he, and he rose again from the grave and, and he went up, all right, after 40, 40 days, you know, after he rose, you know he went around and showed everybody, right? You know he went around like, hey, look, I ain't dead. And so after that, he said, I'm going to bring you the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and he sent the Holy Spirit. When he sent the Holy Spirit down, Peter received the Holy Spirit and the disciples, and he went preaching. He went at it, huh? And he began to preach about how good Jesus is, how great he is, how mighty he is, how powerful he is, on what he can do. And people began to see this, and, and, they, and they began to gravitate toward, not Peter, but the power of the Holy Spirit. He began to preach about Jesus Christ, and God's community began to uh, uh, grow because something was revealed to Peter by Jesus. I want you to understand, and we're going to talk about what was revealed to Peter by Jesus. And the community, as he began to preach, began to grow. That by Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church was formed. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, starting in verse 42, it describes a community of faith that operates in the power of God's spirit, the virtues of justice and worship, of forgiveness, of love, of serving. It was all brought up by the Holy Spirit creating this community of faith in Acts. It was not the accomplishment of extraordinary people. They wasn't extraordinary. Matter of fact, they were, they were kicked out. They, they didn't know enough to even be a part of the church. They didn't know enough. They wasn't even smart enough to know the Quran and speak it back. They were kicked out. They had to go find another job. They wasn't good enough. They wasn't extraordinary people. But guess one thing that they did have? They had the power of the Holy Spirit working through their life. It worked through their life. Someone said, that's all I need. And the, there were signs of the spirit within the community of people. People always look at signs as wonders as if uh, um, someone always, you know, maybe walking up from a cane or and those are beautiful and those things can happen and God can do those things but the signs can be the community of fellowship with one another when people see that sign of a relationship of a marriage growing and working after 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years that is a sign of a miracle of Jesus working in the atmosphere in your life yes sir huh when you turned away from drugs, when you turned away from your old ways, when you turned away from cussing and fighting, when you turned away from it, that is a sign that the power of Jesus still works. The community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and, and identity, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, Knowing that the reason why I'm here is for people to find Jesus Christ. That my purpose is for people to hear and see who God is within my life. It's not just a collection of individual churchgoers. Yes, sir. Huh? 
It's not about just individual church doors. Oh yeah, I go here, but you're not a part. Huh? It's more than just church callers. We have to get out of the mindset. And, I, and, I, and, and as, we, as we begin to have events and as we begin to love on people and as we begin to serve and as we begin to do different things, saints, I am pushing it out of your mind that the purpose is to grow this building. It's not about filling the pews here. That cannot be our mindset and our goal. Our mindset and this goal is that people are saved and set free. If in the process Jesus fills this place up, thank you God. But our motivation can't be to, to fulfill the pews and fill the pews. Because you can fill the pews with some aliens. That don't have a don't have a desire to God, but they they man they like the choir. Right. They like how Ryan play, huh? Yeah. They like this. They like that. I like the lights. I'm coming for the lights. <laughs> our purpose and our goal is that people grab Jesus Christ and change everything in their life and say, I want to be better for Jesus. Not for a pastor, not for a man, but to be better for Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that saved me. He is the one that set me free. He is the one. He is the reason why I'm redeemed. He is the reason why I can live again. He is the reason why I'm here. In Acts 42, in verse 42, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves. Everyone say Devoted. Devoted means I'm giving it everything I've got. Devoted means is that this is the this is a this is the first this is something that is on my, the forefront of my mind that I'm devoted to this thing. I'm devoted to fellowship. I'm devoted to what God has for me to do. I am devoted. And what they said was, what did they devote themselves to? Devoted means I, I, I'm not giving up. I'm pushing. This is what I want. I need it. And this is what I'm going to do. Are you with me? Yes. You can't stop nobody when they're devoted. Hmm? Martin Luther King was devoted. People with devotion and they're devoted to a cause, change can happen. When you are devoted to God and his will and his life, Jesus, mountains can move. All believers devoted themselves. In verse 42 it said, all believers devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the teaching to the word of God. Right? Meaning that they followed the word of God. It, it wasn't just words. They heard it and they believed it and they followed it. They had faith in it. Alright? And it says, and to fellowship. Meaning that everyone had, we, we were common with each other. We had uh, everything in common. Uh, uh, we was, had one mindset and one goal and that's to serve Jesus Christ and to allow other people to see who Jesus is within our life. There, the, 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 the fellowship was the common goal. The common goal. The common goal was for me to get better and better and better as I seek his face. And, for, and the common goal is if you see me slipping and falling, you, my brother, help me. Get up. Don't talk about me. Pray for me. Lift me up. Encourage me so I can keep going for the glory of, the God, for the glory of God. 
So they fellowship together and they said they were sharing meals together. They ate together, y'all. They ate together, including the Lord's Supper. And then they prayed. After everything, they prayed together. And in verse 33, it goes into uh, a deeper explanation of this church, of how they begin to grow. It says they had a deep sense of awe. And, and, and the new King, uh, the King James Version said, a fear, an awe came over them all. Are you still awed by God? Are you still awed by him? By what he can do? By his power? By his goodness? By his mercy? Ask yourself the question, am I still awed by you? To be in your presence. To be in your glory. The enemy is trying to take away the awe. That means he's trying to discourage the faith. And because of their faith, because of their awe, because of their fear in the Lord, the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And it's because they had faith to believe that as they continue to grow and as they continue to seek who God is and as they continue to pray when they saw the ill and they saw people hurting and they saw people suffering and as they began to go forth and have faith in the teachings and believe what they were teaching in the word of God, Things begin to transform and things happen. Miracles happen. Things change. When Jesus went to his hometown, when they didn't have faith, he couldn't do too much. It's when people begin to believe, and we have a community here that believes that God yeah. can change this community. When we start believing that God can change every circumstance in my life and I can be better for his glory, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I'm holding on to, God can bring me out of this thing. Do we have a community that believes, if we believe that without a shadow of a doubt that God can save and deliver and set free, this community can change. It can change. This is their belief. They begin to believe and they trust in God and signs and wonders begin to happen. When people do come in here with illness and sickness, I need everyone to believe that God can heal, to deliver, to set free. That God can. I need everyone believing, everyone praying. In verse 44, it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, people are afraid of this scripture. Y'all bad pastor now. Come on now. I got some nice stuff. <laughs> what the, this is not a command, all right? Luke is telling us everything they did. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. People fear the scripture because, and one thing is saying, it was not a command, it was spirit led. Because it was hard to uh, prosper knowing my brother is in need, all right? It was hard for them to prosper and to be enjoyment when I know my brother was in need. For example, it's hard for me to have some a brand new pair of shoes and I know one of the kids here has no shoes. 
I am going to go to the store if I need to sell some of my shoes so he can have a pair of shoes, then that's what I'm going to do. Because we are a community, we're in common together. If I see someone, if, if there's someone in our congregation that love Jesus and love God and they're worshiping God and they're in the fellowship and they and they don't have no clothes and they have no 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 clothes to wear, how can I, in a conscious mind, go shopping and be in joy? I can't. I have to make sure my brother and my sister have some clothes. How can I go home and eat a great meal and eat a steak? Knowing my brother is going home with no food to eat. It just don't work that way. This is what he was talking about. The need. The need. And this is not about what they want. This is about their need. Huh? This is not saying I got to go buy the mistake. This is not saying, amen? But this is saying that I must, I, 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 can't, I can't think right until I make sure my brother or my sister is taken care of. Huh? For their need. And I'm willing to give and I'm willing to sell. If I have it, I'm willing to give it to make sure my brother is okay. Are y'all with me? It's in verse 46, he says, they worship together in the temple each day. They met in homes. Have I been talking about that? Haven't I been talking about connecting with one another, connecting outside of the walls, connecting in the home, connecting maybe at Panero Bread, Starbucks, somewhere, and eat together and fellowship together. There is something about it when you're coming together and eat. Aren't you happy when you eat? <laughs> y'all know y'all like, y'all know y'all be happy when y'all eat. Y'all, some of y'all do a little bit. <laughs> Man, I'm about to get my grub on. It's something about it. And when you bring it in a fellowship together, y'all be like, dude, you about to eat that real. Oh, man, I'm sure you about to eat. It's an excitement. Y'all fellowship together. It's a joy. It's a love. And, and, and they did this continually. They ate together. And you know, while you're eating together, don't you talk a little bit? You have that, you have that comfortability to talk, man, man, I've been going through this on my job. Man, I've been dealing with this, man. I, I just, can you pray for me? Yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. I hear what you're going through. I, 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 let, let me tell you my testimony. This is how testimonies flow. This is how testimonies begin to flow at the dinner table. When we come together and we just talk about how great God is. When we talk about life and we talk about the things that we've been struggling with and dealing with and how great God is and our testimony of how God brought us through. And that testimony is going to change that person's life because they're going to see the power of God working in your life and they begin to hear what God has done in your life. And they listen they say, if God can do it for you, yeah, God can do it for me. Huh? If God can save your marriage, he can save mine. If God can save your job, if God can bring you out of a lost job, then he can show help me with my situation. If God can help, if God helped you with your children and save your children, I know, I believe that God can save my children. Somebody needs some hope. Somebody needs to hear a testimony. It's time to come together and eat. Time to gather, come together and eat and talk. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. Somebody needs some prayer. Somebody needs some prayer and believe that through prayer, God is going to move. Huh? They have meals together. They ate together. A great joy and generosity. It is God does something in the atmosphere. In verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They enjoyed the goodwill of how many people? 
How many? Man, everybody. They enjoy everybody's company. Oh, listen, if you don't like something about me, tell me, please. Because I don't want to come to a fellowship and there's something in your heart about me. Causing a rift in our fellowship to where we can't enjoy one another. If you have a situation with somebody in here, please let them know. Don't let them continue on and on thinking that, hey, this person liked me and you like, I don't like you. Huh? Amen. Amen. Let them know what's going on in your heart. Man, brother, there's something you said, or sister, there's something you said that hurt me so y'all can get it right in the love. God, y'all, you know the scriptures are two or three together in his name that God, God says he in the midst. You know what Jesus is talking about there? He's talking about a conflict. When there is a conflict and you come together with your brother and say, brother, I was hurt by this. And you're saying, in love, brother, what did I do to hurt you? I am so sorry. Whatever it was, sister, whatever it was, brother, forgive me. Do you not know Jesus comes in the midst of that? He comes in the midst of that and makes your words come out sweet like honey. He comes in the midst of that and makes your words come out like love and and joy and peace. He says, I am in the midst when you want to make something right. I am in the midst of that. It's important that we do this right. It's important that we get this right because when others come in and see the fellowship, I can't have you hating on me and you can't be hating on nobody else. We gotta be on one accord. He's going to do the saving. He's going to do the saving. But it's going to be through our love and through our fellowship that God is going to move. And so what happened, what happened is, what happened when, 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 when they began to do this, guess what God did? He said that each day the Lord added, who added? To their fellowship, those who were being saved. He began to add and add and add and add. And more people began to believe in Jesus Christ because they ate together, because they prayed together, because they worshiped together, because they fellowshiped together, because they went to Bible study together, because they taught together. They began to believe and people were added and were being saved. And all people enjoyed one another. So what does this have to do with the gates of hell? I want you to understand is that the gates of hell is trying to discourage the adding of those being saved. He's trying to discourage the adding of the church. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Sisera, of Philippi, he says that this city, this certain city, was a city dominated by immoral activities and pagan worship. Jesus brought his disciples to this city. He brought his disciples to show them something. And in this city was a a mountain called Mount Hermon. Everybody with me? Mount Hermon, in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about the fallen angels. And in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Enoch tells us this, that I want everybody to look up the book of Enoch. Take some, do some homework, do some research. Look up the book of Enoch, write it down, the book of Enoch. I want you to do some research, and I want you to research how the Dead Sea Scrolls, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1948, that they found all these scrolls because what people were trying to do is saying that the Bible has been interpreted differently, it's been changed, and all this. But when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1948, it proved all of them wrong, that it did not change, it stayed consistent, 
way past 2,000 years. The book of Isaiah was in there. They found these different scrolls, and one of the scrolls was the book of Enoch. And in the book of Enoch, it referred to uh, Genesis chapter 6 about the fallen angels. And the book of Enoch tells us where these fallen angels fell. They fell at Mount Hermon. This is the place that Jesus took his disciples in the city where all of this chaos, pagan worship, children were getting sacrificed, killed to, to, to worship false gods. Disciples like Jesus, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us at Mount Hermon? Why did you bring us in front of this place where the fallen angels have fallen? I want you to understand, in Genesis chapter 6, it talked about how these fallen angels came and they caused havoc and ravage during Noah's time. And, and people were, uh, uh, and the angels were sleeping with women and demons and all of these things and all of this chaos was going on. That's why Jesus caused the flood to happen because all of these fallen angels left God and they fell into chaos on the earth. Are y'all with me? I want you to understand that Mount Hermon is described as the gates of hell. Are y'all with me so far? Amen. He took his disciples and he's talking to his disciples and he says, he asked, now, 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 some of our teenagers know this because they've been in our, our, our Bible study. And I thank God for our sister Sabrina for uh, um, uh, acknowledging our young people. Amen? Amen. At Mount Hermon, at the gates of hell, he brought his disciples and he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he's in front of this gate, the Mount of Hermon, where the gates of hell are. The disciples are in fear. They are looking like you have got us in the most wretched city ever. And now you're asking the question, who I am? Jesus is figuring out, who do you say I am? In front of these gates of hell. They say, oh, well, God, they say you're like John the Baptist. They say you're like Elijah. They say you're like Jeremiah. And he said, well, listen, listen, I'm not I'm asking, who do you say that I am? Yes. Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes. Meaning that you are the Messiah. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You have all power. You can do all things. There is nothing too hard for you, God. Peter said, there is nothing too hard. You are the Christ. You are the one. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed you are, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not received, revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, he's not building on the name of Peter, but he's building on the name of what he claimed of who Jesus is. He says, you are Christ, the Son of God. He says, on this, on this information, on what you reveal, that is where I'm building my church on the rock of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. He's building on Jesus Christ. And so now the church, and also said to Peter, and then he went forth and he said, I will build my church, and the, what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I want you to understand something, is that a gate is used to what? Keep things in. Right? There are people spiritually bound in that gate. There are people spiritually in prison. There are people spiritually 
controlled and depressed and they're stressed and they can't move and they can't function and they're dealing with addictions and they can't seem to escape. They don't know where their hope comes from and they're behind this gate of hell. They're behind and they're in the spiritual prison. Do you not know this battle is not with flesh and blood but it's in spiritual and high places? We are dealing with some spiritual things and this gate that he was saying that these are where the fallen angels fell. This is where they set their tone at. They're trying to keep everything and people's lives behind this gate. And God is claiming, he said, who do you say I am? I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. And what he's claiming, what he's claiming right here, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What God is saying is that when the church come together and they begin to follow the fellowship plan, when they begin to come together, when they become to eat together, when they come and pray together, when they come and worship together, the gates of hell in Jesus' name will not keep anything. We're going to be prying those gates open. Come out, my brother. Come out, my sister. Come out of stress. Come out of depression. Come out of fear. Come out of addiction. Come out because God loves you and he cares for you. Jesus is the king of kings. He has the power to save you. He has the power to set you free. He has the power to save your life. He has the power for you to overcome. He has the strength and the ability for you to stand. He said on this, that church, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And when you start binding the things that the enemy is trying to take, and when you start binding the evil and the stress and the depression that's trying to run through your mind, when you start binding with your brothers and sisters, when you tell me you're hurting and you tell me you're in need, I am praying for you. Do you not know the prayers of the righteous availeth much? When we begin to pray together on some situations, on some healing, on some things that your children are going through, on some things that your family is going through, and we start praying together as one body, the gates of hell will not prevail against our prayer life because we're fellowshipping and we're working together as one body. And the enemy has no control over that. As we grow in faith together, as we break bread together, as we encourage each other, love each other, serve each other, something is happening in the spiritual realm. The gates of hell cannot keep people in spiritual prison anymore. People want a way out through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to move through the community of faith. This is why we need a fellowship. People are in prison. Spiritually in prison. Stop trying to do things by yourself on your own. Tell somebody so we can pray. Let's pray together. So these breakthroughs can happen. Let's pray together. So we can all overcome. When you hurt, I hurt. I don't think y'all hear me. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're suffering, I suffer. That's how it should be in our fellowship, in our community of faith. When my brother is in need, I'm not satisfied until he get what he needs. 
Saints, let us stand.